0: Hello, this is Dr. Amy Lindsay, and I'm here to remind you that the information in this podcast is not medical or other professional advice. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. You should not rely on anything you hear as a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional who is familiar with your personal situation. Listening to this podcast may, however, give you a sense of belonging, make you spit take your coffee, realize that DJs can do more than play music, uplift you during a shit day, teach you that sometimes doctors swear too much, or remind you that you are not alone.
1: Did you know um, I was married before you?
0: I am aware of that. Yep, true story.
1: I had uh, You've I had, had a gr- sex with other people. I well, we didn't that often, but uh, enough to you know have a child. Uh, by the way, we had a child too. Weird. he lives I believe here. I am raising that child. <laughs> so when I was in that, my friendship suffered quite a bit. Why? I feel like I don't know about you and because i I heard a rumor that you were married before me.
0: I tend to block that
1: out. But yeah, 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 I know that's I don't want you to bring it up, but because if you think about it, that, that was like the good things, and the bad thing was sort of blocking all of that out. And then you spend all of your time, all of your energy trying to fix a thing that's broken. This marriage is broken, the relationship is broken. And so if you're focused on that, I just tended to shy away from my friends. And a true friend's gonna be there on the other side of that. But I have a friend, I've had a friend since I was 10. His name is John. And John and I have been best friends since I was 10. I've known him for decades. We both live in Seattle. We went to elementary school, junior high, high school, even college. We both attended the University of Washington. We, we were on the uh, UW Ultimate Frisbee team. He has been my closest friend. He goes by his last name. I go by mine in our groups because we're both named John. And the reason, by the way, we became friends because I moved to Spokane. And this is a classic tale of how you become friends with someone. And I was not the tallest person in class, and I realized I'm going to get beat up here probably because I'm now going Iowa to Spokane, Washington. So now you know, big city.
2: I found the (laughs) tallest
1: guy in the class. It was either him or Ryan Riley. Not sure what I didn't. I picked. I didn't pick Ryan. I picked John.
0: You will never know. There's another paradigm, like a parallel where I picked Ryan. Like run, Lola, run. Where you picked Ryan
1: (laughs) and Ryan and I. Fought crime, or we did crimes. And we're we're dead now. Who knows? And drove off a cliff together holding hands like Thelma Thelma and Louise. Louise, So John and I, instant friends. And one of the reasons our friendship has endured is that we have similar interests. Um, So I think that's important in friendships. You know, you can't just go by history, although we have a hell of a history. Um, I have so many stories I could tell. But John was the friend who kept pointing out to me that this marriage i was in this relationship was not good for me and i rebelled against that of course you did and um don't don't tell me what to do yep yep man and you look back and i so value that that he was willing a true friend's gonna really stick their neck out and tell you how they feel about something and be something. honest and be honest mm-hmm. if you're not ready to hear it and so he was telling me that and i just i wasn't listening well near the end of this marriage. I hadn't talked to him for a while. And I, you know, I reached out that things weren't going well. And he's like, man, I, I you know, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, I, I, whatever you need. And I said, yeah, man, you've been, you've been there from the get-go telling me uh, this is not good for me. And he's, you know, he's just worried about my health and happiness. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, I told you even back uh, when you got married, I said, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, you need to go, do you have the picture of your wedding? You know, you do the picture where you, everyone signs the, the, the wedding picture and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's up in our wall. He goes, alright, let's take a look at it. I said, okay. And I get done and I walk over to the wall and I find in the very corner, just written in tiny little link, there's still time to get out. John. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was like solving the Da Vinci Code. Hey, hey, hey doctor and the dj doctor and the dj hey, hey hey it's the doctor
1: and the dj doctor and the dj today on the doctor and the dj podcast we are going to be featuring the music of a band i've been playing for years la Luz is their name they just released i believe their fifth album out on hardly art self-titled release great great album they were uh In Seattle for years, and then they moved to LA, but we still love them here in Seattle. So you'll be hearing that music. Then we have, as always, a song at the end for you to enjoy in its entirety. Plus, we have a great guest today, Amy.
0: Yeah, my dear friend, Erica Bonilla. Dr. Erica Bonilla, who is a good friend of mine, and she is a chiropractor working out of Elite Spine and Body in San Clemente, California, and she's also an incredible athlete doing Ironmans and triathlons, and I believe she has some, like, thousand-mile... One million mile run coming up, she's going to tell us about. But uh, she's a great inspiration, and we're so lucky to have her.
1: And we're going to continue to talk about friendships.
2: I hear people say I can't be satisfied. taking orders now.
1: You have friends, Amy, that uh no. they didn't try to get you out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you have friends? No. Oh I had
0: no friends. No. <laughs> um I was very social and I always had lots of friends when I was younger, when I was, you know, elementary school. And then when I was in junior high, I had fewer friends and i had fewer friends because i don't know what this sounds like it doesn't matter what it sounds like maybe someone can relate to this but i started to not be okay with the surfacey bullshit i don't know if i was like some teenager that was you know thought everything was so dramatic or <laughs> whatever but to be honest my brother had died at that point right like my brother died when i was 10 I was in fifth grade, almost 11 years old. And then I went into junior high school, and life felt less safe, or it felt more intense, or it felt a little darker than just it had felt before. And then, you know, you add like puberty to that, which is its own holy hell of an experience, you know, for a child. And I think then I just had fewer friends because I couldn't hang with what th- I didn't know it was like, you know, surfacey bullshit, but whatever that was in my little brain at the time.
1: Yeah. I had in junior high for me, it was the same thing. It just, my friendships started to run out and I think everyone was trying to figure out who they were and going with different cliques and groups. And I didn't. And I, cause I look back at that, like what happened? I got fewer and fewer friends and then. I really struggled with my mental health issues and depression. And when I dropped out my freshman year of high school, th- I, I I was a weirdo like that, like all my friendships disappeared. It was like a reset. Honestly, they all disappeared except John. He, he stuck with me and checked in with me, but nobody else did. And when I came out of that, um, he was the only friend I really had and I gained these new friendships. It was funny because I was going to classes the year uh, before me. Would it be before me? Um, because I was catching up. And a couple of those dudes are some of it. Jason, I mean, they're best friends to this day. So I got this whole new group. I started basing my friendships off true friendship. I didn't care about what group we were in or if we wanted to be mm-hmm. popular because I'd hit rock bottom. It was kind of awesome, right? And I've told that story before, but I gained these friendships. And so for me, over the years, I've had this chosen family, these friends. I have a group of Spokane friends I grew up with. To this day, there's um, six of us who we, including my brother, we we made a trip. We do a trip every year, as you know, Amy. Um, The pandemic has affected that. But we saw my brother have kids back in the day. He was the first to jump into the kid pool. And we immediately went, oh, man. We, we are going to get busy. We probably are going to have kids or we're going to have busy lives. Let's plan a trip every year so we don't lose this because even then we saw the writing on the wall because the first thing to go really when you get busy or you're running into things often are your friendships.
0: I would agree with that because when we start adulting more and adulting in like a partnership with somebody, whether it's a marriage or a, or a romantic partnership, and then if there are children involved it does become your friends start to take a back seat yeah. and they do because it's quite a lot to handle a job and raising small humans and having a full-time partnership and I always feel like when I have free time I want to spend it with you like not in a working context because we work a lot together. Yeah. We're spending <laughs> time right now, but you know, but it it does take effort. And and in the times of my life when I've had fewer friends, a lot of that was on me, right? It's not like my friends disappeared and poor me; they didn't like me anymore or something. Something changed in me where I was unable to reciprocate some of those friendships. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means like I had to do whatever I had to do, right? And then you have some friendships that survive those dry spells, right? Like you could not talk to somebody for six months, and then you talk to them and they're right there. It's like you just pick up where you left off. And other friendships, you get time away and you think, oh my god. There is nothing healthy going on in this friendship. There's a lot of obligation. There's a lot of guilt tripping. There's a lot of like, I don't feel good. This person doesn't talk to me nice. That's a hard one to reconcile. And then trying to figure out what to do with it after that.
1: It's like um, a family member when you've had that much history. Like a new friend, it'd be easier. Like, oh man, well, I'm out of this. Yeah. But like those old school friends. Yeah, I've had a few of those where it became like a family toxic relationship. Though I found that almost harder to deal with because I chose to be in this person's life and then I got to choose to be out of it.
0: Yeah. And, and then it's easy to second guess yourself. Yeah. Like here's the other thing we grow and we learn and we have different choices. And as you learn and grow and have different choices than maybe you had five years ago, You may not be a fit for some of the friendships you have. And that's hard. That's a hard one to reconcile for sure, because you might love those people, but you can 100% love people and release them and and be okay.
1: And I think a lot of us during this pandemic, um, maybe went either direction. I don't don't know about all y'all out there, but I narrowed down who I focus my, my uh, attention or my like energies on And, and not like I, I've consciously did it. You know, we're dealing with a pandemic, but it was funny. I got a um, one of my friends got me on this app Marco Polo. It's like what did they say? It was like old person, <laughs> old person Snapchat. Yeah, old person Snapchat. And you basically, um, I love
0: the Marco Polo. I do
1: too because you just send a message. I joke about it like you can't talk back to me. I just send you a message and you send it back.
0: It's like video text. Yeah, it's
1: basically yeah. you're video texting someone. And so what I started doing was was doing this with a few friends, and they happen to be all out of town friends. Uh, my friend Elena in New York, my friend Wayne down in California, in the Bay Area, and then my dear friend Aaron in Portland and my, and a few others too. My friend Kathy over in New York, but it was all out of towners because it felt weird to do one to in-towners, even though I never saw anyone during the pandemic. But every day I was on there and I never spoke to these friends of mine that much. We've kind of joked about it since my friend Aaron and I, in particular, Marco Polo each other every day. So every day when I go to the station, I I realized I just turn his message on and listen to it while I drive. Like I'm I'm listening to a podcast or an audio book because I don't want to listen to music that early before I do my show. And what was happening was I was, I have, a, as you know, a problem with the news. Like it overwhelms me. I can't, it's like clickbait for me even listening to it. So it was a way to dr- drown out the news to hear a friend reaching out to me. Well, every day we have talked and we've gotten closer. This is someone I've known. I met him uh, at in the back of an Albertsons when I was 16. He said, when we met, I was beating up a pallet jack with a pipe. Now, that's, that checks out. That pallet jack was a pain in the ass. And apparently, I was very angry <laughs> that day. <laughs> but we became friends. That's what our friendship is based on, uh, working at a grocery store together. And we became closer over the years. And as you know, we were able to get down to Portland um, not too long ago. And we saw him, and I've been looking at this friend who I've known forever on the video screen, and it was like crazy to me that he was a human and he had the same reaction. And you know what happened? You two cried. We bawled like babies and <laughs> hugged. It was so sweet. We just stood on the sidewalk outside of the the bar we were meeting at and just just you both wept,
0: welled up in tears many times during that visit. It was very so sweet.
1: He's the friend. And we all need those friends who's just going to be, he's like my friend, John. He's just soup. You just need people in your life. who are going to be honest with you as hard as that is. And he, he is that person getting back to the original. Again, I was married before you. I, this is news on the podcast. Um, but he's the one who I remember sitting in Tompkins square park in New York. And I called him and gave him an update on what was going on. That's where we had lived at the time. And he just said, I think you need to get a divorce. I remember him being the first person to say that out loud. And that's the friend you need. You need someone to just point out the obvious. Anyone around me was thinking this like how are these two people together, but he just, "Hey, I got to tell you something." And I remember that's when it was like, "Okay. Oh, I do. This is I need to start moving down this road. I needed to hear that from someone." So, it's so ironic to me that during this time when you need people the most is maybe the time you don't you aren't spending your energies on your friends because you're so busy with your partner or your kids, I don't know. Do we just I think we have to remember to prioritize your friendships.
0: And um, that is very true. and I want to pivot this conversation to talk about how friendships have changed in the pandemic. Yeah, Because I have a whole new group of friends that started online. I have a community of doctors that I started doing some mentorship with other doctors and we started zooming regularly and someone was kind of in charge of us there was another doctor who was sort of led the group and I don't know what I would do without them I don't know where I'd be because taking my practice online was a whole thing having the support of other doctors who we can help each other, like not only uh, support each other with business, but with different cases to run cases by and get ideas from, but they've become close friends. Dr. Erica, who we have on the podcast later today, um, she and I met online, same thing. We were in a group of health professionals who had taken their businesses online and we were trying to learn what the hell to do. you know, okay, you got to make reels and you got it. We're just like, oh, fuck. And (laughs) trying to do Instagram. And she and I hit it off right away. And this is online. Like I met her on social media and met with like liking and commenting and DMing each other. And then we met in LA for the first time at a conference and then have maintained our friendship. And now we... You know, we have each other's phone numbers now. We text each other and we can leave little messages. And, um, But it's amazing how friendships have changed so much well, and how we have friendships.
1: I'd even say you could pivot this a little to friendships later in life, mm-hmm. not people you grew up with. They, no. You see it time and time again it's Im- that it's impossible to make close friends when you get older. Like That is a very difficult thing to do. I would counter that. I have made many friends since then. I think of my mom. She made her best friends after she was divorced in her 40s. And when she was on her deathbed, the last days, Nida and Carol, her two amazing friends were there at the very end. Those were the two people she met later in her life. And Mm -hmm. I think it is possible. And I think with technology, it helps. And I think with this pandemic, um, having people who support you you have a lot in common, right? Like you found people who support what you're doing. They they have similar stories. They have, they're hustling like you are. They can you can relate to them better than maybe people in your past who aren't.
0: You know um, what I think is interesting is something my mom always says that I actually don't necessarily agree with.
2: <laughs> no way.
0: I know. Weird. Um, but my mother used to always say, "Well." The biggest cause of unhappiness is unfulfilled expectations. And we just need to lower our expectations of people. And I think, bullshit. (laughs) You know, like, yes, to to some degree, people are people. People are people. And, you know. Okay, the fashion mode. Yeah. And... You do have to accept and love and um, let things go with people who you love in your life. Absolutely. They're not going to be who you want them to be. They're going to be themselves. And that's awesome. So I agree with that. But here's what I think is that when you have relationships with people, including friendships, there are expectations. You should have expectations. That's healthy. And, you know, you shouldn't let your friendships like run all over you and be treated like shit. You should have an expectation that my friend is not going to treat me like shit. Oh, well, that's just Carol today. You know, (laughs) she's just an asshole. No, you know. And I think that some of this starts young. You know, people are dicks on the playground. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. No, that kid was a dick. (laughs) And so I, I think that um, we sh- we, we're we we not used to having this conversation about how we expect our friendships to be. We talk so much about how we expect our romantic partnerships to be and what we expect out of those. But friendships are trickier. You don't go get married to your friend or you don't go, I don't know, maybe you buy a house with your friend, but you don't enter into like a defined contract per se, like you would in a romantic relationship with your friendships. And if you do good on you, man, you've got it. You're, you're a step ahead of everyone.
1: Yeah. And, and to me, the best friends are the ones who just check in, Mm -hmm. um, just check in and they're And when you have success, they're happy for you. And when you're having a hard time, they're there for you. Though, though, if that, if those two things don't check out for me, um, I want nothing to do with it. Um, I And I have those people in my life and I'm very, very lucky. And if you're listening and, you know, we, we often say, you know, reach out to people who are struggling with mental health and say, you don't have to write me back. You, write a friend and, yeah. and say the same thing. Hey, you don't need to write me back. I'll just sing it about you. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you. Thanks for being in my life or something to that effect or, or check and see how they're doing it's just these friendships are so important in this life and like i said at the end of it those are the kind of people who are going to be there with you to the very end
2: when you leave no i will see you
0: Monica Bonilla is a chiropractor practicing out of San Clemente, California. She has a philosophy of a holistic approach, not just a musculoskeletal uh, fixing approach. She treats mostly menstruating humans and works with their cycle and how that affects their health and their body. She is also a triathlete, an Ironman, and an ultra-marathoner. We are so excited to have Dr. Erica Bonilla with us today. She is a friend of mine and was so gracious in giving us her time. We met as part of a health care, health business group, basically. We met in L.A., at a conference and we immediately were like, you, <laughs> I like you, you're my people. And since we've developed a friendship over the past year or so.
1: And then I learned Erica's a, a runner. So she became my one of my running heroes, just hearing her, <laughs> just the amount of running. And and we've had a few people on this podcast who are just tremendous runners. So uh, I also, I, I had a nice conversation with you about about that as well. So we'll probably touch on that. I have a marathon coming up, so I, I, I may need some pointers as I head into another down in down in that area, down in California. I'm He's doing Surf City in Surf City, so I'll be there. Oh, sweet! Well, there you go. I'm running. Yes. It. See, this podcast so. is already paying off for me. Now I got it. Now I got an ally down there.
0: <laughs> well, let's start, Erica. Why don't you tell us about what you're currently training for? Because Erica is not only a doctor, but she is an athlete and a tremendous athlete. (laughs) What are you training for
3: right now? Um, Sounds so odd having it said to you. I never say it out loud. Uh, I am training for the Antelope Canyon 50 mile race uh, held in Page, Arizona. And I've been there before to run the 55K. And I did really well in that race. I finished strong after finishing that 55k that I just, I really wanted to go back. And what's so special about this is that you are running on Navajo land. So you're running with permission from the Navajo nation and you're running on endless miles of sand, ankle deep sand, slick rock. You get to go through the waterhole slot canyon, which is a very famous, most photographed area in the area, and you also get to run through horseshoe bend, which is also a very you know lots of tourists like to go there, and that's part of our run course. But I'm going for the 50 miles this time, my first attempt.
1: There's a jump for people to 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 go to this ultra marathon or these these longer distances. A lot of people don't just start off running 50 miles, by the way. Uh maybe you did. But what was for you? What what for a very long distance? What is what what about that motivates you? I mean, you describing the landscape and running through that. That alone for me makes me want to run that. But what makes you want to jump to 50 miles?
2: How
3: could I put it? It just felt like natural to me. Like, okay, cool. I got to five. Let's go to 10. All right, I got to ten. Let's go to 15. I ran a marathon. I'm like. Really? All right, I can go more. I got this. So I do. And when I passed the marathon mark, I remember running my last marathon in 2015, and I'm like, this is it, huh? Mm. Okay. You know that, <laughs> that this isn't most
2: people, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get
1: to 26 and I think I want to die, and I'd like to not ever do that again. And then I sign up for another one. But,
3: but marathons are hard. You know, a marathon is approached completely different than an ultra. Mm hmm. And for example, I refuse to run a seven and a half minute pace for 26.2 miles. Nope. I won't even run at an eight and a half pace. I just call that death. (laughs)
1: Whereas. (laughs) Just describe what I'm going to do in a few weeks.
3: Exactly. (laughs) But I love to be out there longer, which means that I have to slow down. And that's the whole point of an ultra, you know, unless you're the goat and enjoy the time that you're out there. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. You didn't sign up for it because it was easy. I mean, we're human beings. And sometimes some of us don't like it easy. I sure as heck don't. So that's really what it what drives me to do it. I'm like, but I get to do this. So I'm gonna go do it. I don't look at things I should. Yeah. No,
0: it's perfect. I get to. And you know, we were talking about this at one point, I don't know, sitting in the cafe and you were telling us that part of what you love about it is the logistics and the adventure of it. You know, simply <laughs> feeding yourself, you know, figuring out where to pee like <laughs> all that stuff. That the challenge is not just
3: that you're running fifty miles. You wanna tell us a little bit about that? You are alone. And you need to be comfortable with that. You need to be comfortable with being in your head. You need to love to be in that discomfort, but at the same time, get excited about it. Because you're going to hit some dark places, and then you're going to overcome them. And how I overcome them is through kind of drawing back, like quoting David Goggins, looking for those cookie jar moments in training where I just wanted to throw up, but I overcame them. And and when I find those moments in a race, I'm like, you know what? I made it through that. I can make it through this. And then also I'm like, do I have a biffy bag in my bag? Cause I got a poop and there's nothing (laughs) but sand here. (laughs) So like you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: So Erica, you are also a practicing physician. Yes, And I believe you're practicing in San Clemente still. I am, yeah. Tell us about where you practice and what you do and what your philosophy of doctoring is. And then tell us what you're working towards.
3: Well, I am a chiropractor by trade. I am also a board-certified chiropractic sports physician, which means you have to go through extra hours after you're licensed to become a sports practitioner. And so my particular love is working with endurance athletes, particularly menstruating endurance athletes. They are my heart and soul. And so my practice is focused mostly on that. And I've been doing a lot of studying under Dr. Stacy Sims with her research in female physiology. And all menstruating athletes that, yeah, you know, well, menstruating how to train for that. And so that's really what I've geared my practice towards. I do do a lot of like orthopedic assessments and chiropractic adjustments, but my philosophy is you have to own the movement. You have to train with your physiology and you have to be smart about it because we're in it for the longevity. And so my practice is not just on the neuromuscular skeletal, but also, yes, I, I need to know about your hormones. I need to know about who you are as a person, both mentally, and that's basically how i roll it's like a kind of a mishmash of all these things and i just don't just see them as meat and potatoes but you see them as this whole like full course human
0: you know you and i have talked about a lot of this about the female physiology and menstruating humans right and you know in my practice i mostly see people with female physiology and so we talk a lot about cycles right um even As people approach menopause and aren't menstruating anymore, their body is still going through sort of a similar cycle that it was, although it's a little different. And just in terms of movement or strength training or endurance training, like all the things that you do, it's important to work with those cycles. And most people have never even thought of that before or have never had that explained to them or been taught that or learned that and it's such a gift to their health regimen or their health training when they start working with their cycle and I know you train that way and I know you help other people with that you want to talk about that a little bit because I know a lot of our listeners the last time I was on the podcast talking about this I got a lot of people writing me and I said oh don't worry we're going to keep talking about
3: this (laughs) We're going to forever keep talking about this because it's important. As a matter of fact, I just, I had a case recently with a female athlete who wasn't eating because she was following, you know, she says, well, I've been reading about a lot about intermittent fasting. And so I'm, I'm trying it and I'm finding that I'm passing out right before I'm going to perform this activity, which happened to be uh, a squat. And I said, well, did you eat before? She says, no, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I said, okay, did you eat after? She's like, oh, no, no, I, I won't eat for another couple of hours. And I said, well, did you put gas in your car? Yeah. Is there enough gas in your car to get here? Yeah. Is there enough gas in your car to go home? Yeah. Do you have gas in your tank? How do you expect to function? If we don't fuel our body for what you're about to make it do, the body is going to take what it needs at the most inconvenient time. For you, it could be the squat rack, you could completely pass out, and you can hurt yourself. And it's funny that that particular athlete came to me with knee pain. If I wasn't listening, I could have just moved on and looked for the biomechanical faults of the knee. And it was everything else but the knee. We we really, I really dive into that.
0: Yeah. I think we can all relate to that, John.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: That
0: you... (laughs) Um, especially as a physician, but I mean, anyone who's ever been to a doctor can relate to that. You go in often for pain or something that scares you. And then there's always something like bigger or deeper that comes out.
1: Well, the other thing is, is the thing I learned that, and then a lot of the people I know don't, you know, when they talk to me about running, cause they know me as a runner that I've learned th- through Amy, when something's sore, it almost always isn't, or something isn't working. It's almost, it hasn't, in my case, at least ever been the thing that's that's the cause and so when she first Talked to me about some uh, issues I was having with plantar fasciitis. She was like, well, "Are you rolling on your calves?" And of course, dumb non-doctor John says, "It's I didn't say my cat." You know, mansplaining to the doctor why my feet hurt after I asked. That that's that checks out, by the way. Um, I don't do that anymore. I just say okay because she was right, and so I started rolling and um, and really working on tight calves. For instance, I have them, and I it, it, they just they're just part of who I am now. Knock on wood. Haven't had them since. What do you both really suggest to people without having to go to, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but what are some signs? Are there signs that it's something else? Like, when do you go to the doctor and what can you do? Like, for me, I wasn't sure what to do or where to look. And I started working on my feet. How would I know to go to my calves if I weren't married to a doctor? (laughs)
0: Good thing you're married to yeah, a doctor. I mean, lucky me.
1: <laughs> Dumb John was like, oh, okay. And now my feet are great. So not everyone has that ability, but I'm trying to figure out if you're just another one of me's out there and it's obvious to y'all. I've heard from others like, oh, yeah, no, I hadn't thought about that. So should you just be stretching all of your body and, and just making sure the whole thing is, is working so these things don't come up?
3: My take is I need you to just always be able to move. So your mobility... Mm. And your stability will always save your butt when it needs saving. Because if you're always if you're mobile and you're stable, you're okay. If things kind of are like you get a little niggle here and there, you know where you skimped out. What's mobility work? We can easily turn foam rolling into mobility work, right? You know, you're foam rolling top down, inside out, right? So the front, the back, the glutes, the back. If you're taking care of that, giving yourself five minutes, you're okay. And Say like, for example, you like skip two or three days and you're like, Ooh, something is off. I'm like, well, now you know where, if you maintain your mobility and you maintain your stability, you're going to have control.
1: And you just said five minutes. So I think people look at stretching and look at mobility as something. And again, I know Amy has this with, with getting people just to go outside to walk for 10 or 15 minutes. You feel like you're not getting anything done so you don't do anything at all. I'm sure you both run into this. So uh, I just want to make it clear to everybody out there, five minutes, if you can find at least five minutes, right? Every day, if you're foam rolling, if you're just getting that body moving, that that would be a huge help prevent injuries. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We're both
0: like, oh my God. Because I don't. So I'm very happy
1: to hear this. I need to get on this.
0: So I talk about this with my patients and in my classes, that you really do have to do these tiny little small baby step things, right? And to just keep doing them consistently, like consistency is queen. But what will happen is your subconscious will sabotage you because it thinks, oh, five minutes is ridiculous, who cares? And your subconscious is going to kill it. It is those little things that are actually completely doable five minutes is completely doable ten minutes is completely doable. but I find it interesting because you do need things broken down and sort of these bite-sized helpful things but then your subconscious will just sabotage you because it thinks it's yeah. it's so small. How could it make that's a difference? Right. <laughs> when, would you agree with that Erica?
3: I completely agree and that's why I encourage five minutes just five minutes of mobility set a timer. You can do five minutes of mobility while you're getting ready in the morning, brushing your teeth. Heck, you squat when you go to the restroom. You squat, you get up. You need to be able to have the control because as you age, if you don't have that control, you're going to need, you know, bars to get up. That's why, like Amy said, micro.
1: I I notice a difference even when I'm doing my radio show. Like, I have a five-minute song on, and I've realized I've started to stretch during that time. Simple just simple stretches, just like getting down. Cause I have, I cannot find my toes. So I, I like not, not because I can't see them. I just can't reach them. Um. So I, I, I've been doing that. And even that has made a difference. And I realized just, just that little, like if you're in a habit or us who work you know, at home, if you just get up while you're working or you're on a call or, I mean, I could turn the camera off here that we're doing and I could stretch for five minutes while I'm talking to you. So there's, there's opportunities within your, day to day that I think more than ever with everyone just sitting so much, being so um, kind of stuck at home and and stuck in these meetings that people are stuck in that, that taking that five minutes, even during that time, turn the camera off, right? Like it, it, it will make a difference. And you can even
3: stack that habit on top of another habit. Yeah. I can stretch while I'm waiting for the microwave, whatever I'm microwaving for a set amount of time. Okay. That's, that's my quick little stretch time.
1: For someone who is thinking about strength training, and again, the hurdle is I'm going to pick these five-pound weights up or these seven, and it isn't going to matter, and I, or I'm only going to do this for 15 minutes, or I'm only going to do this for a few days. What is both of your recommendation on, on how, how to start this, how to start strength training, and then the benefits of just doing a little of that as well?
3: I like to start with your body weight. Don't even pick up the weight yet. Start with your body Set 10 minutes push-ups, um, do some, I don't like sit-ups, but do some planks, do some squats, do some jumps. Cool, set a timer. I, will, I like to start super small, I mean like bite-size small. Set a timer, five minutes, and for five minutes, I'm going to do 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, and I'm gonna do it for five minutes, body weight. And then afterwards, I'll increase the time. And then you're like, okay, once it starts feeling easier, all right, let's start adding some load. That's when I start loading because that way I know your nervous system is telling you it's safe and now we can load. That's my approach.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think think there's a whole mindset shift though from diet culture to just strengthening your body because, and I was a victim of diet culture for a long time and I'm so glad I've healed that, but a lot of people have not. And so when people think of strength training, they think of getting, quote, toned, (laughs) right? I'm going to tone myself. And so it turns into this defeat exercise in getting bikini body or whatever the hell and toning with dumbbells. And I noticed that when I committed to strength training, my complete mindset shifted from that noise to, I want to just be strong as fuck. (laughs) Like, you know, if people ask me what I'm training for, I'm training for life, motherfucker. Like, (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) I wanna feel strong and I'm write like, that
1: down. I'm training for life motherfucker next time anyone asks me.
0: Yeah. That that is actually not mine. That is Jill Coleman. She is an incredible uh mentor of mine. I like ours. that that's
1: not even an original. That makes no, me even happier. No, like this is being uh-uh. passed on. I'm this is being passed life, on,
0: and so I will give Jill Coleman All some right. Does credit. Does you have here. a
1: shirt? Can I buy the No, sh- I
0: told her I'm making shirts. Okay,
1: because I would buy that shirt.
0: Um but I'm serious, but it's a massive mindset. Shift. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Doctor Erica?
3: <laughs> I I don't like the word tone because no one ever tells a man that they need to tone up, right? I I don't lift to get strong. Like I, I lift so I can, you know, kick ass, train for life. It's like, yeah, I can probably squat a Victoria's Secret model, and that's only on my light days.
1: It, man, I, I've heard this, but it's kind of sinking in right now. How much it is about how other people are going to perceive you like you're no wonder it's not motivating if you're doing these things (gasps) to make someone else happy. And I think you have to cross over. Like Amy just said, where she's like, I'm just trying to get strong. I'm not (laughs) like when I run, when I train for races, for instance, that's the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm running for me. I love running for me. I don't like to run with other people. I really don't. I'm, I don't mind races, but I just, I don't train with other people. It's just my time, my thing, my pace, Mm -hmm. and, and it's that same concept that I'm not out there for somebody else. I'm not in competitive sports. Um, yeah, that really is. That is a huge mind shift though. You have to have, I wonder if you can have just the mind shift of that or, or is it, is it a lot of, there's a lot of work you have to have for yourself to get there. You know what I'm trying to say? Like if you're (laughs) not in a place in your whole life, is this a place to start maybe, or is this, does this come along with the self-work? I think this
3: is part of your (laughs) self-work.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes.
3: One of the things I shed for 2022, and this is something my coach had me write down every year she has me fill out and like an evaluation of the previous year. And I didn't race in 2021. I just, I did things that I liked, right? I ran a half marathon. I ran my um, annual 20.22 miles for New Year's Day. And she asked me, what would you like to let go of in 2021? And this is something I've struggled with for years because I used to be fast, but now I'm not. And that's okay. I have an injury in my right quad that will never heal. And in order for me to continue doing what I'm doing, I have to slow down. So I no longer am that seven minute miler. I'm the comfortable nine and a halfer, but that's okay. I'm the comfortable 10 and a halfer, but you know what? I can probably do it for 12 hours. I'm good. And so she asked me what I wanted to let go. And I said, I want to let go of other people's perceptions of me. They don't serve me. Like, I don't understand why I cared about that for so long. And as soon as I took off that coat, fuck, I felt like, I felt light as a motherfucker. Oh, my gosh. So there it is.
1: It's my other shirt. I feel light as a motherfucker. <laughs> I got a whole merch line from this interview.
3: I honestly
0: believe that it doesn't really matter what your nutrition plan is or what your fitness plan is if you do not have like a solid sense of self. And it's because you're doing something you think you should be doing. You're like listening to whatever the diet of the year is. Or... You're trying all these fitness things, and I'm not saying you shouldn't try things, but I think that unless you have a solid sense of self, none of that matters because it will continue to be, uh, I'm trying to be something for some someone or other people. It, you will continue to try to give a shit, you will give a shit about what other people think, and you're trying to fit into something that you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. But once you can get rid of that and just have a solid sense of self, then... What you do with your health or your strength training or whatever you're trying to do, it fits. And so you just do it (laughs) because now it's you and it's your life. And
3: I think it's so important to remember that. I think even some folks struggle with, okay, but how can I get my mind
2: to do
3: that? And I have a lot of patients are like doc. How do you get the motivation to do that? I'm like, I'm not motivated for shit I am NOT, but I do look at myself in the mirror That's my accountability. Thank you David Goggins My accountability mirror and I look at her and I'm like you should do better All right, and if that doesn't work for you Have yourself your small group of people the ones the people who aren't afraid to hold your hair The people who aren't afraid to, you know, cover your ass when it needs covering. That small group of accountability. I believe that if you struggle with, how do I get myself going? Look to see who's got your back. That small group of people who've got your back. Chances are you think you don't have one or two people? You do. I think you do. I think we all do. And so I found that that's one of the things that helped me. Besides my mirror. I stare at my mirror all the time.
1: (laughs) I I keep talking about um, and I, I know a lot of people say this, but it really has hit me lately, the toolbox that you need for a certain thing. And that was my follow-up question with with you was going to be, well, how do you, how do you get to that point where you can shed what other people think of you or you can, you know, what is your accountability to, to stay on track, to keep walking, to keep riding that bike? Again, because you're not doing this for someone else. Now you're doing it for yourself. And I think that's a great, I think that's great advice. Having that accountability is amazing if you can have it. Are there any other tips you both have for, for how, how to motivate yourself to take care of yourself?
0: Well, you know, this sounds trite because you see this everywhere, but you do have to have a solid sense of like, why, why you want to be healthy or why you want to run an ultra marathon or, you know, whatever it is. And you have to be selfish about it. Like your why can't be for your kids or something. And I see this all the time that, and especially with um, women in our culture, they their why involves other people, right? Well, I've got to do it for my kid. i got to do it for my grandkids. i got to do it for my spouse. No, you don't. Do it for you. Do it for you. Because if you're doing it for other people, you're also putting pressure on them for your happiness. <laughs> but there has to be a why, I had a patient or her goal was she had a memory of walking around London and she said she wanted to go back to London, but she had trouble walking around her block right now. And she said that was her only goal. I just want to be able to walk, be healthy enough to walk enough that I could travel to London and walk around London and I wouldn't get wind, you know. And so she had to think of something like that, like a, a trip. And that worked for her, you know what dr erica was saying that most of us aren't motivated we're shit honestly if it was up to us we just stay in bed most of the day (laughs) it's cozy in there i love being in my bed and at some point you have to get up and be like all right i'll get out of bed but honestly it's not we think that we have to be motivated you don't have to be motivated you just have to be disciplined as fuck yeah
1: i i have a (laughs) like i have a 10 mile training run today and it's later in the day. I don't do well running later. I, I uh, it's bad. So I was you don't thinking,
0: feel I, like it. Yeah. Well, I was
1: thinking <laughs> what you were saying there. I'm like, what what is going to motivate me to do this? Like, it's going to be that I don't want to be unprepared on that day when I'm running a long distance. I, I want to make sure I'm in a good place. The other thing I was going to follow up, Erica. You so you had this injury, and I wanted to mention that. And you. You have found a way to work through it. And I assume you work with a lot of people who've dealt with injuries and have you, do you do anything different to motivate them? Cause I'm sure a big part of that isn't just how to properly heal, but to motivate them through an injury. Cause I know when I've had some major injuries, I, I, in different times of my life, I've given up. I've either like just, I'm, I can't do this, or it's taken me a lot to get back. Do you have advice for people out there who may be dealing with injury and are listening going, well, I've got this injury, this nagging thing, or this thing happened, so I can't exercise, or I can't do anything?
3: You can always do something, but first of all, you have to forgive yourself, you have to allow yourself some grace, and you have to be patient with yourself. Those are the three things I always say. Forgive yourself, be patient, and allow some grace, because... If you don't do those three things, if you don't, because it's really in your mind, you know, you think that your identity is attached to this, like, oh, I'm I'm injured, I'm no longer this or that. And I'm just telling you from the experience in my practice, I've had this injury, I think the last time I ran fast was 2015. So I'm going on year seven, I go through my ups and downs, and I have to stop and I have to say I get to do this, even though people told me I couldn't do it. I still get to run faster than most. Um, I know there's folks who struggle with it, but you just need to forgive yourself and you know that you're going to heal. Just give yourself time. The races aren't going anywhere. The roads aren't going anywhere. And you know, and the next time you lace up your shoes, the road's going to say, hey, welcome back. Let's do some fucking work. But for me, it's in your mind. Allow yourself some grace. you know. But like what Amy said, It needs to be about you, you, not anybody else. Because if it's about anybody else, all of a sudden you're giving them responsibility for your shortcoming or anything. No, it needs to be from you. So that's, I mean, maybe that's a good answer or not a good answer, but that's where I go.
0: So Erica, you're a mother. Yeah. You have a son. And we've talked a lot about, you know, all the balance of raising a son raising a kiddo and frankly I don't know I watch what you're doing I'm like how is she (laughs) you know she's like training you're lifting and then you're running and then you're training and then you're doctoring and then you know and then you're parenting and and is the secret sauce tequila or is that just (sighs)
3: Well, for Not me, because I know you like songs. tequila. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I do. At night, um, I uh, I allow myself one shot, like every other night, and then two on Saturdays.
0: <laughs> so mindful but, of you.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I allow myself one, but honestly, for me, it has been. Um, falling on my face and making lots of mistakes and learning from them so I can figure out how to do it better next time. That's it. Like that's how have I maintained my balance is by falling on my face and on my ass so many times that, oh, I probably shouldn't do that one this time. And we probably shouldn't put all these things together. Let's space it out. Let's make this day just for these two things and this day. So like I batch things. That's how I'm able to get it in. But I've Successfully failed so many times that I figured out how to batch. <laughs> so before we came onto this podcast, uh, in the mornings I I read, I meditate, then I do any if I have any any office work that gets taken care of. Then my son gets up. All right, he's up. We have an essay due, and I said, All right, dude, we need this essay done before I get on this podcast, and before that, after that, I need a, some strength training. So I'm like, Let's go. Come on. Chop chop. uh, Yeah. Like it needs to be done yesterday. So that's how I, that's how I batched today to make being with you all happen. Yeah. We,
0: uh, what Erica didn't say out loud, but I will, is that I totally screwed up and gave her the wrong date for this interview. And then, um, and then last night she texts me and she's like, um, in one place it says tomorrow. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. So thank you for generously batching and moving your schedule around to make
1: today. (laughs) Can can I ask a question about support when you're when you're batching time and you're training and you're doing things for you? I think uh, what people have run into, too, what happens when you don't have a supportive partner or you don't have a supportive um, person around you when you're trying to batch your time and do things for you and and they see it as a threat or they they don't like that you're taking care of yourself. I have a feeling this is leaning in one direction with the sexes, by the way. that is not lost on me. That it's probably the man who's probably like, oh, look who's getting in shape. Or, oh, look who has, t-, you know, I and I can't believe this still goes on. But I know it still goes on. I would love to hear what, what to do in that situation. And I'm just waiting for the swear words, but go right ahead because I... It's troubling to know people are supported when they take care of themselves. That really bothers me.
3: Uh, I was in a past relationship before that happened. That's why I didn't marry the fucker.
1: (laughs) There you go. I have another shirt.
0: (laughs) So what are all the T-shirts we have? That's why I didn't marry the
1: fucker. (laughs) That right there. I mean, I mean, yes, get out, right? I know it's easier said than done. We've all three of us here have been in shit relationships. In marriages and we got out mm-hmm. and part of it was that
3: it is a unit it is a team it is an effort for a reason for example 2020 before the rona was you know decided to like take over everything i had one ultra and three full distance iron mans to complete and first things first i sat down with my husband and i said listen these are the things that i would like to pursue do i have your support and he's like yeah but i think three ironman's going to be too much can you take it down to two okay i can do that but prior year so i've presented that to him and he's like no i'm sorry i can't you're gone too long i i've got a lot of this going on can you just focus on one actually he's like can you just can you do a half ironman instead and i said you know what if i have your support for a half ironman i'm good but if he's not in it I'm not in it. We all have to be all in, or it's not going to happen. Because down the line, the other shoe is going to drop. So we just avoid it by having by putting all the chips on the table up front and making sure we're all on the right page. Because at the end of the day, it's it's the three of us, right? It's JJ, right. Patrick, and I, and we all have to be on the same page.
1: Yeah. So it's not just about support; it's about you also understanding that they have lives too and it all has to work together it's not uh, it's also troublesome if you just declare everything that's happening this year and iron man's th- those are that is a full-time job
0: it is full-time that is for anyone who doesn't know about iron man's it is when, 35 to 40 hours when, a week of when training. you said two or three i was like
2: <laughs> dear it's lord full time
0: job <laughs>
1: Dear Lord, yeah. that was, yeah, I love that, that you're in this together, you're presenting it and everyone, and everyone has to give a little, that's clearly the base of any great relationship. Um, Amy and yeah. I, again, when we were going through even scheduling podcasting, which we did right before we talked to you with the right dates, um, <laughs> it was all about that. It was all, well, I have this and I have, you have that. And then I, and then, and then you just kind of come together and find, I mean, that's a strong relationship and that, it, it that's, uh, you can't be in a relationship where, where, I remember being rushed. I remember being in a hurry. Like I was doing something for me. So I'd be running and I would go a shorter distance because I needed to get home. Cause I felt bad. Like, cause I was made to feel bad because I was taking time for myself Ooh. because I was doing this thing for me, which was selfish for me to go run and take care of myself. And it, and the, it really, I was convinced I was being selfish that I was a piece of shit because I was out Running, and you, if you look back, I just did watch the, the, the new baby for year you know, for hours on end and worked a full day. And but uh, you get trained at like you get beat down, like, yeah, you're right. And I stopped racing. That's
3: why you didn't marry the fucker.
1: I did, and then I divorced the fucker. Oh, actually, days, there you go. <laughs> no, I married oh, and it seemed good. Then- this is worse, actually, <laughs> Erica, because it seemed really good and supportive, and then it wasn't. And then we had a kid, and then it really. Right off the cliff. And so even worse, because now you have to dig out of this and you have to come to terms to how you got here and, and, and you, and you, you literally have to sit and have these weird conversations with yourself that, well, am I, I am selfish. I I am a bad person. Oh yeah, I am. And, and then you think about the things you're selfish and bad about is like time for yourself or exercise or doing something you love. I mean, now that seems crazy, but I just feel for everybody out there not getting that support, especially stuck in this time during this pandemic.
3: Oh, I know. I mean, my husband's uh, a medic and so he's in the trenches with the Rona. Okay. Since it began. His outlet is surfing. He has been a surfer for as long as he's been alive. Right. (laughs) He makes 50 look good.
2: (laughs) Man. I was going to say. I want to be
3: JJ when I'm 50 because JJ looks good at 50. And for him, it's, comes home and he needs to go surf. And I am aware that I need to basically I'm like, all right, for two and a half hours, I've gotta take care of what I need to take care of because JJ's gone. He needs his time. Have had I not been a supportive spouse, I'd be like, hey you know, I would start like nipping and picking at him after he's had a 24 hour shift and then he goes and he surfs. How he does that is beyond me, but that's what works for him. So yeah, I mean, I have to be there for him just as much as he's there for me.
0: That's right. You know, all of this is crystallizing right now. The sense of time batching and taking, you know, pushing when you got to push and resting when you got to rest and being smart and strategic and collaborative with with your people about that, you know, and I'm going to pull this back into people who menstruate. So John, you're just, you're going to learn some things here. But I talk to people all the time about pushing and retreating based on their cycles. And even if you're not menstruating anymore, that you can identify, or if you're somebody who doesn't menstruate, you can identify when you need to push, when you need to pull back. And the, the trick is to batching that energy. Does that make sense? Like, um, and then being strategic about it because I see so many people go into burnout because they just go, 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 go all the time and they're spread thin and there's no sense of, they feel guilty when they rest. I'm like, no, you don't understand the, the surfing, for example, the surfing and the stretching and the sleeping and the rest are absolutely crucial to your ability to show up later. Um, what's your take on that, Dr. Erica? I know you're on the same, but you know, with menstruating humans, it's the same thing. It's like there is a time to push, and if you get really like zoned into your cycle, you you will identify when you need to retreat or like to pull back. And this doesn't make you weak, it makes you smart.
3: It makes you very smart. And this is why uh, I had this conversation with one of my running partners. I said, I know you're in menopause I have the and I called it the advantage I said I have the advantage that I'm still menstruating because my cycle will basically guide me as to when to push and when to hold back and when I'm in your shoes some of the things that are going to guide me will probably be me being more aware of how I feel on certain days and those are the days when I feel awesome, I'm going to push. And when I don't, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to hold back. Now, I'm I'm still menstruating. right? I'm still a kid of 42. So I have the advantage of my menstrual cycle basically, you know, telling me, all right, girl, go. Hey, you know what? You kind of need to slow it down a bit. Okay, pull back, rest, because we got shit to do in the next couple days. So take these days, chill out because then we've got work to do. And I say that to my patients and my athletes all the time, and those in, in menopause, I say, why don't you just talk to yourself or log it down and let your body be your guide? Take it day by day, you feel like poo? That's your body telling you it's time to just take a little break.
0: So here's, here's the trick, there's a couple tricks, because I get asked this all the time, they're like, they're like, okay, so how do you distinguish when it's discipline time and when it really is like listening to your body and you need to rest time, like it's not sabotage, like we walk this fine line between sabotage and knowing to pull back. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you help people find the line between being disciplined and doing what they need to do and knowing when to push and then knowing what, the difference between self-sabotage and the difference between that and actually knowing it's time to pull back? Like let's say if you don't have a menstrual cycle to go with it. Like you said, if you have a menstrual cycle, it's you can actually get strategic.
3: (laughs) I would say that the discipline would be in the habits that you formed, you know, during the time when you kind of feel like, okay, I feel like this, right? So these are the things that I have, uh, like that the habits that I've created when I feel like this. All right. So I would say it is totally a fine line between self sabotage and, you know, rest. But I say sabotage, if you feel like, hey, if you feel like you're forcing it. That's not the habit you want to form. So, for me, I I don't know if I'm answering this question correctly. It's going to be based on the habits you've formed when you feel like that. And I hope you've made, you know, I hope that you've formed good habits like, okay, when I feel like this, this is what I normally do. I go stretch. So, every time, so now you're going to associate, I feel like this. Okay, so now I'm going to go stretch. So, hopefully, you've reinforced it with a good habit and not a bad one. Does that make sense? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I often say that
3: self-sabotage
0: can look like stalling.
2: Ah,
3: uh,
0: Like it's not necessarily that uh, you need to rest or pull back, but it's avoiding avoiding stalling.
3: Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm still a kid. I, I haven't navigated those waters yet. I've yet to grow up.
1: <laughs> well, before we go, Dr. Erica, if, if someone's listening, just getting back to when we talked about going from five miles to 10 miles to – what is, what should someone do if they, they want to be someone who, who does a triathlon one day, like it's in their head or, or marathon or an ultimate or or a half marathon or a 5k, you know, maybe I love, I love trying to motivate people. I love the couch to five. Like that is, I love that. I love that. We're getting people just, just, just do something, you know, like just try it. Once the thing about running is, the minute you start running, you're a runner. You can't say that about yeah. sport. You're, it's yeah. shoes and some shorts, maybe. You wear pants. And you're out the door. You're a runner now. So, yeah. and, and you're both so good about, you know, taking little little bits of time and getting the best out of it. It's so motivating to me. What would you say just to, just that person who's, what do they do first?
3: I will always tell you, get in the habit. You can tell I like forming habits. 10,000 steps a day. Get consistent with that. Mm. Get 10,000 steps a day. And if you're consistent 10,000 steps a day, go 20,000 steps a day. And then, all right, why don't you go try uh, run one minute, walk 30 seconds. You know, jog a minute, walk 30 seconds. Do that for 20 minutes. Do that for 10 minutes. Cool. But honestly, the easiest way, easiest barrier to entry for me, go be consistent walking 10,000 steps a day.
1: I love it. I'm nope. going to pass that on. I am. I am. I think that's so great. Cause I look down even to this day, you know, and if I do a training run, it ends up being like, I look down and it's like, Oh, 23,000 steps or whatever, you know? And I'm, it's great. Um, but on, on my rest days, I even look down at my watch and, and see it. And there's so many ways to measure it now. I think I'm going to pass that on to people. I think that's great because clearly if you're doing that, you've been moving throughout the day. It's so. been moving. Yeah, and, and people don't see regular steps, just regular walking even in your house is exercise, which I think is very funny to me. Like that whole thing about skipping the escalator, take the stairs, or if you can run an errand with your feet, do so. If you can get outside, make sure you – do Amy and I had a challenge where we try to get everybody to walk outside in December. And again, we're up here, not down where you are. Up here, <laughs> it is to go outside for even 10 minutes is, is sketchy because <laughs> you can't – there See, were a few
0: nights in our pajamas in the rain. There
1: were. I had pajamas on one night. We went out there, and <laughs> and that just getting that for us motivated a lot of people. So we're with you on the steps. So I like it.
0: You know, I want to add just one more uh, little note to this: ten thousand steps a day, or mm-hmm. like uh, movement throughout the day. They've they. You know the they <laughs> they <are>. the they <laughs> the, the they.
1: Are. <laughs> I've heard about them?
0: Yeah, them. You've heard about them? Yeah. They scientist researcher people. There, ha- there is research on mindset around exercise where people had more benefit and they, me- they measured all different kinds of things like heart rate and, and all, all, all kinds of things um, with thinking that you're exercising when you do stuff versus not thinking you're exercising when you do stuff. So for example, if you're walking up the stairs in your house and you're like, oh, I'm getting a little exercise, or if you're cleaning your house, oh, I'm getting a little exercise, or if you're having awesome sex with your sex partner, and you're like, I'm getting some exercise.
2: That's what I'm thinking.
1: That's so weird. I'm like, wow. I'm not
0: (laughs) kidding though. If if you think about it as, and you don't, some people don't like the word exercise because maybe they have crashed and burned with diet culture but if you're thinking about it in the term in terms of like i'm doing something that supports my physical body right that there's actually more benefit than if you aren't thinking that when you do it absolutely
1: well, Dr. Erica, I, I think I, I, have I feel more motivated after talking to you and, and, oh. and Dr. Amy here. And, um, I can't wait. Uh, I hope I run into you down in literally run into you down in, uh, for surf city. And, um, I, I, I really appreciate your husband's work and the fact he surfs after that. Just, I don't know, brought some yeah. just joy to me. I don't, I just sounds good for him. You know, I, I so that
3: man is, he's my rock. He's my hero, man. I don't know how I, just, yeah,
1: that's he's amazing. my dude. We like, we like couples like y'all. It, it is nice <laughs> to, to to hear motivating people like you who clearly will love one another and are supportive of each other. So uh, there's hope out there for y'all. You find them. They're out there. They might be surfing and busy saving people's lives or running ultra marathons, <laughs> but you'll find them.
3: <laughs> I'm so happy. Thank you all. Thank you for having me on here. Wow. I, I learned, ju- I learned a lot. So thank you. From, from both of you and I, I look forward to seeing you I'll be running the half marathon which is going to be so much fun because I run for the beer you know <laughs> no shame there's no shame in my game I run for the beer so yes <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much
2: so <laughs> <All> the <right>.
0: Thank all those asshole friends of mine that made me who I am today. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I want to thank all the bullies. I want to thank all the people who turned their back on me or abandoned me. You made me who I am. Do you think that's probably true? Uh, not, it actually just, is true. not just the good, not just the good times, Amy. No, the bad times make you who you are.
0: Do you wanna know uh some of the worst experiences of our life? We need to go to gratitude. Yeah. We talk about this all the time.
1: Amy does. I have to say this. Uh, we do I have a journal. You see it right here. Amy got me a nice journal and I've been writing my, um, gratitude and things like that. And Amy's like, not just you're grateful for your health, which is fine, but come on now be grateful for some shitty things. And so I've been better about writing down some things I'm grateful that are, that have happened to me or are not great. And why, why am I grateful for that? And it works. (laughs) I told Amy the other day, I walked upstairs and said, Amy. You get tired of being right all the time, because I have another thing that just happened that you totally predicted. (laughs) It's like, no, not really. That's good. And it isn't in a, you aren't in a, oh, I'm always right. It's just, hey, this is a thing. I think it should, you know, here's the- It's
0: just helpful. Yeah. Anyway, we are grateful for the good and the bad friendships. That's right. And Let's
1: name them by name on this podcast. The
0: good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And we are grateful for our dear friend, Erica Bonilla, Dr. Erica Bonilla, Of San Clemente, California, who was so generous with her time to talk to us today. I think she uh, had to delay a run.
1: And (laughs) we have some marketing now and some some merchandise. She gave me at least three different shirt ideas. So thank you, Erica. You get a cut of the profits. (laughs) She's great.
0: And we'd love to thank our production team from Ruinous Media, Joe, Pat, Chris, and Jay, for keeping us in line.
1: Yeah, I want to thank uh Coffee for being such a huge supporter. Uh, just talked to Jody Hall the other day, and uh, she is psyched to be a part of this podcast. They're doing a ton of work uh, with mental health organizations and spreading the word on mental health and all kinds of uh, collaborations and other things. They're just right in our wheelhouse of trying to help people. And they're doing it with coffee and tea as well, which is kind of a amazing thing especially us seattleites we appreciate that you can always go to wondergroundcoffee.com that's with the w u to start wondergroundcoffee.com to get more information if you're in the area if you're in seattle make sure to visit them mention us and get a discount as well as flying apron i used my discount the other day amy at flying apron i got the uh the chaga lago is it chaga lago <laughs> i got that what is it chaga laga Ch- chewbacca what did i get it's my favorite coffee in the world, too. You like, got
0: a chaga latte chaga and it's latte. chaga mushrooms. <laughs> They're adaptogenic mushrooms.
1: So I'm all over the mushroom thing without even With realizing. The yeah, the chaga laga. I'm, I'm all over the mushroom coffees in our city, and I didn't even know that was a thing a year ago. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's great. Well, if you go to Wonderground Coffee, use the code Doctor Wonder
1: And ask for a chaga lago.
0: No, that's at Flying Apron. Or you can go to the Flying (laughs) Apron Bakery and use the code DRDJ.
1: Yeah, see how much we appreciate our sponsors? See, they put up with this shit. Okay, thank you very much. Big thank you to Michael Lerner as well. Telekinesis doing our doctor and the DJ theme. And speaking of music, we got one more full-length song from our friends, La Luz. We want to thank them and Hardly Art for uh, allowing us to use their music on this podcast. Make sure you follow us, The Doctor and The DJ, on social media. Tell everyone you know about this podcast as well. And remember to reach out to a friend and remind them that they are not alone.